Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks, Lance Ellington, and that's right, the third Hicks brother, Ian Hicks. We've got a full podcast, and this is the Hungarian Grand Prix race preview. Hungarian, yep, yep, it's an agrarian society. We're racing in Hungary this week. We got, we're on a back-to-back, just like usual with our race preview. We're going to do our normal segments where we go through storylines heading into the race, kind of talk about the track a little bit, what we kind of expect. After that, Tanner's going to lead us in some interesting facts, and then we're going to get a weather forecast from Two-Tone Tanner, kind of kind of relating to maybe a, a farmer's Tanner or, or a sunburn, maybe, maybe a stretch there, but, but you know how it goes. After the weather forecast, we're going to jump over to our qualifying surprises. Remember, it could be a a surprise exit or a surprise entrance into one of the qualifying segments. After that, we'll jump over to betting props from Lance Big Bookie Ellington. And finally, we'll wrap it up with our podium predictions. But before we jump into our storylines, Lance, how are you doing? I am doing good. It's Monday. It's the start of the week. So start of the work. Work is work, but excited to always be on this podcast and like usual, shooting the shit, talking Formula One, overreacting, hyping things up for the sport. So should be a good time today. Joined by Ian, so that's exciting to always get another guest on the podcast. Tanner, how are you hanging? I am good. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Work is work and Formula One is fun. And it sucks that this is going to be the last race before summer break because it's going to be a long, long gap. Uh, between the Hungarian Grand Prix and future races. Uh, But this was a race that I absolutely fell in love with with last year, not because of the quality of the racing, but because of what happened. That's right, my man, Esteban Alcon came home with P1 last year, his first victory in Formula One. Could it happen again this weekend? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Anyways, with that, I want to ask Ian. Ian, how are you doing? Um, are you? I, I know you've been following the sport pretty heavily throughout the year. You want to tell us a little bit about your F1 fandom and, and how you feel about teams and drivers? I've been doing good, Tanner. Start to the work week, uh, getting the grind on, but excited uh, for the race coming up this weekend. But yeah, new to the sport. Uh, started with Netflix, as most American boys did. Um, but now... I'm starting to play the new F1 video game. Highly recommend it. Very realistic. But I would say my favorite team right now is definitely definitely Haas. Team Haas is, you know, they've shown a lot of improvements this year. Last weekend was a little bit of disappointment. Not sure what went on there. Looking to see what we can come back with this weekend and hopefully uh, beat Alpine because can't have them winning. Well, I don't know if they can catch Alpine. They're kind of outclassed in, in that department. Their goal is really to beat you know, maybe Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin and Williams and hopefully beat one Alpine, I think would be the goal. What, what I would say with that, Noah, is it really just depends on the weekend. Like we saw the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix um, and uh, they kind of had a had a show in there, Mick Schumacher had driver of the day and very happy about that. So we'll see if they can have another big showing for the rest of the season. So before the summer break, give them some less uh, some less struggle over the summer. Certainly possible. It's certainly possible. And it would be a huge result for the team uh, to get honestly any sort of points here uh, this weekend. You know, Haas, a a team that saw Mick Schumacher really struggle last weekend and Kevin Magnussen show a lot of pace during qualifying with some engine upgrades and replacements throughout all of that. Uh, But we'll see what they can do this weekend. Hungary is a high, high downforce track, and that's not an area that Haas typically has excelled in so far this season. Uh, so with that said, it'll be interesting, uh, albeit maybe a little bit surprising to be, see Haas up there uh, challenging for points. I agree with you on that, Tanner. It's going to be a it's going to be a big qualifying track because there's not a lot of room for passing on that track. So whoever shows up on the qualifying, who knows? Leclerc might do it, but his engine also could blow halfway through the race like every week. So you never know, but it will be uh, not much of a passing race, mostly strategy-based, which is not Ferrari's suit. So we'll see what happens this weekend. We will see what happens. I, yeah, Haas, I think their battle is with Alvatari Alfa Romeo. 
they're going to fight with McLaren and Alpine from race to race, but I don't think that's going to be their rival on a consistent basis as much as Steiner wants to see that from this team and from the drivers. I just don't uh, believe it quite yet. But thinking of Ferrari and thinking of that, this is a big race for them after coming off of this big inflection point of last week and with what took place with Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz having to start from the back of the grid and work his way up. If they're not really able to put anything together this week, they're going to go into a four-week span with no races, just on a downhill towards nowhere, just struggling out of the race with Red Bull. And Mercedes is going to be right up behind them if they don't make something happen this week. Noah, how are you feeling with at least one day to process everything that took place at the last race? You know, with one day to process, it's it's more of the same, right? I've gotten used to Ferrari making mistakes or having reliability concerns or something wrong happening. In this case, they made some strategy decisions that were bad for signs and then Leclerc messed up. And so it's par for the course. Uh, uh, driving a car that is fastest when reliable. Um, you know, I, ex- I expect a guy like Charles Leclerc to be able to qualify in P1, P2 every race. Um, not necessarily Carlos Sainz because he's not quite as strong in that area. Um, but, you know, I feel fine. Like it doesn't, uh, it, I didn't think we were going to win Constructors Championship before, and I definitely don't now. So, so not too much has changed, all things considered. But I am excited going into this race in Hungary for, for a race that it is tough to overtake. I mean, we saw some great defending last year, which was partially due to the layout of the track. Um, it might be hard to overtake. So knowing a guy like Charles Leclerc and his qualifying prowess, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think he's going to have, have a point to prove. <clears throat> looking forward to it is probably the worst thing that can happen though. Just to see what happens each week with Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. It's, it's pretty, pretty depressing to be a Ferrari fan right now. Second place is a lot better than what's what's what places are Haas in? You know, Haas seventh is what it is, dude. <laughs> <I'm> Anyways, just... <laughs> so some I'll... discourse that's par par for the course between uh, between the brothers. So I, I love it. I'll <laughs> I'll take it with you guys going back and forth. Any other huge storylines that you guys see up and down the grid? I mean, like we've said, they're coming off of a really quick turnaround from France to Hungary, just one week gap. So I don't think we'll see a lot of upgrades. Um, Anything that we can expect to see from these teams and drivers, anything that will be, you know, kind of out there and talked about as, as we come into this weekend. I'm going to take that question a different route. What I'm looking at are these teams that made upgrades this past week and see them sitting with these upgrades for two weeks. We know a lot of the time it can, change how the car feels for the drivers and with getting a race under their belts with these upgrades i expect the drivers in alfatari haas and mclaren to all be a bit more comfortable and perform a bit better there's certain drivers like lando norris i don't know how much more room he has to go with that car with where it's at on the grid but thinking of kevin magnuson not having to take a penalty if mick schumacher has a better qualifying Yuki not having an accident. We we may see these cars a lot more competitive than what the expectation is going to be from the general public. And I'm always excited about getting more battles in the midfield because that, that's what Formula One's all about for me is that midfield battle as much as I love to fight at the top. Agreed. Agreed. We're all about the midfield on the Wheel to Wheel Formula One podcast. Alpine and McLaren fans represent out here for the midfield. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Top gets boring. Top gets boring. It's not fun to see Max Verstappen just dominate. And I don't know, that might be Formula One for a lot more years to come. Um, but with that said, the the midfield battles really bring me back every weekend. I got a question on this note. I'm sorry, Noah. I got a question on this Max Verstappen and, and his, dom- his domination that, that may be taking place, right? And how many years is this going to go on? How long will he be around for? He's won one World Drivers Championship at this point. He's probably favored to win the, or he is favored to win this year's. What what do you think the over under is on drivers championship for Max Verstappen? Would you set it three and a half, four and a half? Where are we at with the over under? What do you think, Noah? I think I'd set the over under at four and a half. 
Um, you know, he's, he's on a pretty big deal with Red Bull. Red Bull's got a lot of income, a lot of investment into the sport. Um, so, so what it's going to come down to is what teams are, is he on, right? You know, I think this year it's proving it is the driver that, that wins a championship more than other years where Mercedes have just been dominant by a clear margin since it's closer this year, the driver's proven it a little more and Max Verstappen's up there. I think at some point in his career, I wouldn't be surprised if Max Verstappen does make a switch to another big team, you know, trying to look for a new challenge, trying to keep it fresh. That, that wouldn't be surprising. So it, it's all going to come down to, does he choose that right team when that time comes? Um, and how many, how many can he win with Red Bull right now? I mean, that came, that, that happened with Seb Vettel, right? He won four and then picked Ferrari and, got close, but couldn't win any more after that. So who knows if, if Max will repeat that or if he'll surpass or even fall short. Yep. I mean, there are so many factors that could go into it. I think four and a half is probably the right place to put it, just given all the variables that can change a formula one career. Um, and, and within, you know, race to race season, to season regulation era to regulation era, um, so there's so much that can change. Max has been open about potentially retiring from the sport bef- around 2030. So not, you know, he, he doesn't want to race until he's as old as Fernando Alonso or Lewis Hamilton. At least that's what he said so far. That could obviously change. Um, but with that said, that pushes down the number. But, you know, he's, he's the best driver on the grid right now. Um, and there's no reason to to say he absolutely won't win and win and win and win throughout his career going forward. Uh, you, you put me in a corner right now. I'm probably taking the over on that four and a half. I really am. Mm. And that may seem a little crazy to say, but I think in a matter of what, four months from now, uh, give or take, when that last race hits, he's already going to have two. And so I'm pretty much betting on – it, will he win three more from this season forward? That seems pretty doable, if I'm being quite honest. Even if he is shooting for that 2030, I'd take Max Verstappen to win 50% of the time out of the next three, next six years to get him that three. And that's where I'm falling with that four and a half. But I do agree. I think it's the right number. Ian, as someone who's who's been getting into the sport through Netflix and, and through the video game and social media and all that, what are what's your impression of Max Verstappen? Where, where do you how do you feel about him as a driver and just kind of as a character on the grid? I think he's a boy. I think he's uh, I think Netflix painted him as uh, in a bad light and almost like a fake news light. Uh, made him look like an asshole when he really isn't. Um, made Hamilton look like a hero, even though you know Hamilton's a bit of a whiny. I mean, he really is. Let's be real. Um, when you hear Toto on the on the at the beginning what race was that was that Imola when when Toto after the race was just trying to keep Hamilton happy be like wow this car this car is undrivable I know I know I know I mean they just they just tried to make a rivalry out of what it really isn't and uh I think Max is actually actually a pretty decent guy I just think he's a good a hard racer and he's gonna push it it's an interesting take I have a few comments throughout all of that. The first comment I'll say is that they didn't create a rivalry where one didn't exist. Max and Lewis openly do not like each other. They have each said to the media throughout this season that they think the other one is a dirty driver and that they're enjoying driving against cleaner drivers like Charles Leclerc. So that's, I think, pretty telling. The other piece of that that I want to comment on is saying that uh, Max Verstappen definitively isn't an asshole. I think that might be a stretch. Um, I don't think he is. I mean, you heard on the you heard on the team radio yesterday. You saw Leclerc going to the wall, which is not a not an uncommon thing. But every time Leclerc goes to the wall, he's like he's like, oh my god, is he okay? Like, is, is someone tell me he's okay? You know. I I just want to say that means we're setting the bar pretty low. If that's if that's what it is, is checking <laughs> on a guy after he crashes at 200 miles an hour is is that that bar is pretty low. 
That wasn't a 200 mile an hour crash. That, <laughs> well, that, you know what I. It, that was a spin. Okay. Out, that was a spin out on a corner that he shouldn't have spin out on because he's not a. He's just a very immature driver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I like the player. With with all this, Max Verstappen, love that you're giving out, Ian. I'm gonna call it love. But do I will you, say, do I you will think say, he deserved? Do you, do you think he rightfully won the 2021 championship? Because I know this controversy. No, out I don't there. think he did. I don't think he did, and I'm not a big, I'm not a giant Red Bull. Okay, fan. I don't root for Red Bull. I'm just saying I don't think he, he's the the light that Netflix and and other media has painted him in. I'm not a Red Bull fan. I don't root for Red Bull. I root for if anyone my the one I the one like who I'm rooting to win a race right now. I want to see Mercedes win. I want to see Hamilton win. Like I was into, I never followed F1 this closely before, but I've always been a car guy, so I've always known. I've followed F1 to an extent, you know, I know the top runners I've always known them, but I didn't really care. I didn't really watch. So I knew I've known Hamilton's, you know, just like a a force in the sport for a long time. So yeah, I want to see him win again. Fair enough. Fair enough. Nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, it's always, it's always fun. And we've talked about it on this podcast a few times. It's really weird to see the Mercedes cars, not in contention for wins. We saw Lewis, Hamilton just come in second uh in this last race and that was their peak this year that was their that was their peak and it was it was off the back of some terrible performances and penalties and real and strategy and everything all right well we shouldn't be talking about strategy when you're in when you're Ferrari. that's my but point but I will say I want to have a hot take right here that I do think Mercedes will have a race win by the end of the season that's my hot take no, I, I and I don't think that's even a reach. Uh, that's just the nature of Formula One. Strange things happen. Interesting guys get wins. I'll touch on that more a little bit uh, coming up in this podcast. It but won't be Ocon, man. It won't I, be Ocon. That's not what I'm saying. I'm 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 saying as the by nature of how Formula One goes, weird things can happen in races like Hungary, um, and guys you don't expect can get a victory so that's that's definitely not off the table mercedes getting a win this year and if i had to put money on it i would agree with you i would say that somebody from that team will be getting a win before the year is over one thing thinking about these uh other cars getting wins and and you know seeing mercedes not do as good and just what what's been going on this season from a high level perspective we paired podium that we've had in recent years, even though we've had the dominance of the Mercedes and, and Red Bull, I feel like there was still quite a bit more parity in the teams we saw up there. And the fact that we're over halfway through the season and there's, you know, really only been one guy out of this, out of the top three teams to get it was very surprising, especially when you considering what took place last year at this race, where aside from Vettel's penalty, we would have saw two guys who were outside the top four, teams get a podium last year all in one race and we have only seen that once this season so that that's been really interesting as good as these regulations have been we still haven't quite gotten the mixture there and you know i'm like i'm a little worried about it right with these new regulations it makes it a lot easier to follow and and so with it being easier to follow it means that drivers are more patient and overtakes and when they're more patient in overtakes, it means they're taking less chances. There are less mistakes, maybe less reliability concerns. And so you got less top drivers retiring or really, you know, taking races off. And, and, and so I'm a little worried about the state of these surprise podiums, uh, to be quite honest. And when we do our podium predictions, you know, it's fun to make hot takes, but, but in the past, it almost seems like it was easier to than it is now. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about in the past years, before 2021, Ferrari was really a big feature uh, in the, the fight for the top spot. We saw, you know, week after week after week in the late 2010s, anyone between Ferrari, Mercedes, usually Mercedes, anyone between Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull could win a race and you wouldn't be like, Oh my God, how did that happen? Um, that it was a very, you know, realistic thing to happen. Uh, and that that's not the case right now, I would say. 
So I, I hear you. I hope it's, I, I hope it stays at least a little bit competitive at the top. Me too. All right. Do y'all have any other storylines you want to talk about or, or do we want to jump into Tanner's two truths and a lie? I'm going to put just one thing out there. I'm predicting that McLaren going into summer break will be in fourth place in the constructors championship. I don't know how it will happen, but I think we're going to jump Alpine. I really like what we saw from the guys last week and I can expecting more out of them coming into this week. So I'm very excited to see where we stand in a week's time with the constructors. I like it. I like it. And as an Alpine fan, I can't even say that you're coming out of left field. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, that, that's my confidence, but we'll talk more about my confidence later in this podcast. But with that, I think we've covered all of our main storylines. And so I'm going to go into my two truths and a lie. This being the 13th rendition of two truths and a lie this season. Uh, we've had some interesting ones last year in Hungary was in terms of what happened, one of the craziest races of the season. And so the theme of this two truths and a lie is going to be the three crazy things that happened at last year's Hungarian Grand Prix. And so here's the first, uh, first fact or lie. Over the last five seasons, including this one, so going back to 2018, there have been exactly four race winners from a team outside the top three finishers in the Constructor Championship. Let me know if you need clarification on that one. I know that's a little bit of a a mouthful. Okay, next one. There have been more than 150 disqualifications in Formula One history. And then lastly, at, at Hungary, no total disqualification. So we're talking about after the race, the FIA said, nope, we're, we're stripping you from your finish. So the first one, we're talking about crazy finishers, Ocon winning last year. The second one, we're talking about disqualifications post-race, Vettel last year. And the last one, we're talking about collisions on the first lap. The last one is the first lap collision that involved the most cars in Formula One history took place at Monza in 1978, where 11 cars were hit in one way or another and were involved in the collision. Sheesh, that's a lot to unpack. All right, Lance, which one do you want to tackle first? I I like the theme. I I like the theme. I want to tackle one. Uh, I'll let you tackle one, and maybe Ian can uh, can give us his opinion on what he thinks. Maybe it's just an educated guess, but I'd like to hear it. Yeah. Thinking about Monza, I I know that turn, right? It's coming down this straight at the start of the race. They come in, they break, and it's a right turn into a left turn, I want to say. I don't know if it's quite considered a chicane or not, but it, it's close if it's not one. I can see a lot of cars having an accident there. We've seen accidents at that track before. I, that seems really believable in 11 races. I'm sure there are other tracks, you know, that are just as tight as Monza and just as fast at times. But that seems believable in my head is where I'm going with it because I don't know that fact off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, building off of that, it's the only thing that I question about Monza is, was it 11 racers? I think I believe that that's where they had the, the most cars involved in a collision in lap one, but I don't know if it was exactly 11 um, or if it's a tie or something. Maybe it's tied with some something in Hungary. Who knows? Um, here's, here's what I'll qualify to that. When I'm forming these truths or lies i'm not going to try and make it a a double lie or anything like that and so what i'm trying to say in that is i wouldn't give you both the wrong location and the wrong number yeah fair enough if if that makes sense i like i I don't i don't think that's awfully fair so no i might i might either pull from the wrong race um i i don't think i would do the uh same race at the same location anyway 
that, that that's probably enough help yeah. on that one but uh, neither here nor there yeah but but yeah all right so so that one's interesting i i, I think it's kind of believable um but it, it also makes me question like why did you find that fact for the hungarian grand prix right um so that's my one thought there building on to i want to i want to talk about the surprise race winners so the note was in the last five years since 2018 four times a driver outside of the top three constructors at the end of the year podiumed or one 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 all right so so i want to talk about teams that finished in the top three in the last five years so Mercedes every single year, Ferrari every year but 2020, and Red Bull, I want to say every year. I want to say that, um, but I may be off a year, um, but but I believe that's right. So, so 2020, what team ended up coming third at the end? Was it McLaren or Racing Point? think it i thought it was mclaren okay i'm misspeaking so okay so if it was mclaren that makes me think a racing point could have podium that year uh they could have won that year jesus um i changed my mind i don't think they won um because i don't i don't think lance stroll won that race i know sergio perez only win is at um sakir um so i changed my mind there um that one's tough that one's a lot of specifics lance i don't know yeah that's that's tough i'm i'm replaying it in my head so i i like the way you laid it out i i I want i want you to now think about those the drivers who you know have won in the last five years so they made headlines by winning, but they're not on a huge team. All right. So thinking about that, drivers who have won, who weren't on huge teams. Um, let's let's think about drivers for Renault, Daniel Ricardo, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. He he didn't win. It was Monza last year. He hadn't won since Red Bull. Um, and then um other Renault drivers didn't win because it was signs and Hulkenberg who never won a race uh what other big teams are there Racing Point who didn't win a lot of races and I don't know that they won any races then uh Haas came fourth one year no race winners I don't think Lance help me out here if I'm missing something McLaren kind of had some down years so you you're saying four, and we know we know one of the four. We know Ocon for sure. Did hmm? No, I don't think so. Did I was trying to think if maybe if there was somebody if Gasly ever snuck a win here. Yeah, but we know he didn't. He won. He won in Alpha Tauri last, not last year. But I don't, I don't think he's ever. Yeah, he won in Alpha Tauri once, but I don't think it was here. No, no, no. These are not in Hungary. These are just wins in general. Oh. Did you know that? I didn't know that, Lance. Um, I, I'm with you, Noah. I I had no idea. I assumed it was Hungary. All right. So I totally missed I totally misunderstood that fact. Yeah, that's a My big fault. whoops. That's a big whoops. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm gonna believe that's true. All right, so Ricardo's um, one of um Esteban Ocon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm either going to believe there, that more drivers won races or um, or that's true. Um, so now going on to the final one, um, what was it? There have been more than 150 post-race disqualifications in Formula One history. That's a lot. You're saying post-race or post-race so they finished the race and the FIA says nope you broke some rule uh and and we're disqualifying you and and inv- invalidating your result all right 
I found that pretty believable. Um, so to break that down a little bit more, the the most frequent way that happens is if the car is weighed after the race and it doesn't weigh enough. So that might be it used up too much fuel or it didn't start with enough fuel. Um, or maybe they broke a rule in terms of, uh, in terms of the, um, weight requirements of the car. All right. I'm going to, I think I'm just going to go ahead and give my guess. And I'm going to say that your lie is, uh, the Monza. I'm going to agree with Ian. I, I, I think, uh, Monza might be it, but I bet they're tied with something. So I, I, I'm going to agree with Ian. I will. I'll hedge us. I, after thinking through, I, I'm agreeing with you guys on the Monza, but I'll stick to my guns and I'm going to go with the disqualification as the lie. I think, I don't know if it'll be more or less. I just, 150 is too, too perfect of a number, right? It's too round. Exactly. That's why I chose to on a zero. I don't, I don't know about that. That's why I chose right, 150 Tanner, what is more it? than less. Let's hear it. Oh, you said man. more than less? Yeah, yeah. I said there have been more than 150 disqualifications. I picked 150 because it's a round number. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's the lie. Okay. Well, boys, on this 13th rendition of Two Truths and a Lie, Ian came on his first time into the fray. He joined Noah in his prediction that I lied about the most first lap uh, collisions in one race. Lance, he stuck to his guns on the disqualification lie. But on this 12th rendition, 13th rendition of Two Truths and a Lie, everybody here is wrong. So I'll provide some context, and I understand that that I pulled some things out of nowhere on on everything. so, yes, the, the most first lap collisions that took place in a Formula One race happened in Monza, 1978. There were 11 cars in that collision. Um, and exactly like Lance was saying, it happened around that chicane that happens around turn one. Um, and, and it just there were there was a lot of stuff going on in that race, uh, a lot of mess up. The starter started the lights too early. Um, yeah, that, that race was awful. One man died as a result of that wreck. It was, it was not a pretty event in formula One history. The next truth to all of this was that there have been more than 150 disqualifications in formula one history. Um, and also, sorry, I, I want to pull it back a little bit. I brought in the, the first lap collisions because of what happened last year. We had Botas going as a bowling ball into a bunch of drivers. We had Stroll rear-ending the heck out of uh, another driver. And at the end of it, we had six cars in that collision, uh, notably taking out uh, Max Verstappen as one, Valtteri Botas as another, Sergio Perez as another. It it was crazy. Um, So just wanted to add that for context. Uh, and there have been exactly 165 disqualifications in Formula One history. Some of the big ones I wanted to flag on, obviously last year we had Vettel disqualified after the race uh, for not having enough fuel in his car after finishing. We also had Alain Prost lose his victory in the San Marino Grand Prix in 1985 for the same reason. Uh, and then lastly, we had Nicky Lauda lose P3 at Spa in 1982 again because his car was too late or too light after the race end. The lie was that over the last five seasons, there have been exactly four race winners from a team outside the top three finishers in the Constructors Championship. The truth there is that there have been three. Those three race winners have been Esteban Ocon here at Hungary last year. Daniel Ricardo uh, last year at Monza, and lastly, Pierre Gasly at Monza uh, a couple of years ago. I thought the, old, the, the piece in there that I thought would get you was Sergio Perez being from Racing Point, getting that win in 2020, but Racing Point did finish in P3 that year, and so that disqualifies him from that piece. Dang, that was a tough one. 
That was a tough, tough one. A lot to unpack with all of those. It was kind of hard to, to pinpoint it at all. Um, but yeah, fun one. We lost Ian in the, in the meantime. So, so we're back down to three, but, but yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed them. Um, as the, as, as the third, third member of the Hicks boys, but, uh, but yeah, thanks Tanner. That, that was a fun one. No, that was a good two truths and lie. I, uh, I hope the listeners did better than we did. I think I tripped up a little bit just with national I was as far as to keep track of. So that, that's on me. I got to do a better job for my fans and give them, give them that winning record still at seven and six, I think on the season. So not too shabby for myself, but definitely could be better. Yep. Yep. No, still, still able to boast that winning record for Lance. No, I think that takes you to um, five and eight, something like that. Maybe. That yeah, sounds that, right. that, that, that sounds right. Um, but yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I was excited about what I thought were the three main events of last year's Grand Prix. And so I dug up a little bit on, um, on the history of, of everything going around it. Dude, you dug up a lot. You did not dug, dig up a little bit. You dug up a lot. <laughs> Cause those are some obscure facts, but with that, I think it's time to jump over to two-tone Tanner and get a, get a weather forecast. So two-tone Tanner coming from Budapest, Hungary for this race. And this weekend, at least on Saturday, there's a good chance we're going to see rain. Rain is what destroyed everything last year. We, we saw Botas just not able to get any grip in his tires before just, you know, taking out the field last year. Um, and and Lance Stroll just rear-ending. I don't know if it was a grip issue or if he just didn't hit the brakes. Uh, but all that to say, we could see some rain here on Saturday. There's a potential for it on Sunday, a little bit smaller. Uh, anything could happen with the European weather. So we'll, we'll monitor that as that goes out uh, throughout the week. And there's a really good chance that we can see, uh, again, some very interesting results here in Hungary. Uh, due to the weather affecting the drivers. Oh, another possibility of rain. Who, who would have guessed it? This is wild. We'll see if we get it on Saturday. That'd be pretty exciting, especially knowing that what it has brought us uh, in terms of this year, even bringing us a Nicholas Latifi Q3. So, so who knows what happens on Saturday? I, I think I'm rooting for rain. For the whole weekend, Saturday, I think, gave us some interesting qualities. Let's see these drivers in a different element. And then I would love to see it on Sunday for at least part of the race. Add that extra element into the strategy. As long as it's not delaying the race by too much, because we have certainly seen that this year where the weather just pushes it back farther and farther. And that's quite annoying as a fan. But... We just have just enough to where the drivers can go out on slicks, go out on wets. That would be exciting. And as someone who's a fan of the team, that's not, you know, not at the front of the grid, it gives a lot of great opportunities for interesting podiums, overtakes, and potential race wins, which I'm all about for Lando Norris, Daniel Ricardo, and even the midfield with some other teams I like in there, such as Haas or Botas and Joe Guan Yu. Yeah. Yeah. No, it could make some, for some very, very, very fun results. Um, and that's what we're kind of hinging on for this race. Ian mentioned earlier how Hungary is just not a race where overtaking is easy. Uh, and he was spot on, uh, Esteban Ocon, who was not in a super fast Alpine car last season was able to hold on to P1 throughout most of the race. Uh, and, and that's not something that was awfully surprising just based on the regulations and the layout of the track. It's just not a race where overtaking is easy. Um, obviously, it will be easier this year under the new regulations, making following cars a little bit easier. Um, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, and some weather can always spice up our weekend a little bit. Fair enough. Should be a fun one. We'll see if we do get some rain. Um, but but with that, I think it's time for us to jump into our uh, – our quality surprises. Um, Lance, do you want to kick us off with those? Do you have a Q1 exit or Q3 entrance? I do. 
I'm I'm going with key three entrance. This is my second week in a row doing a key three entrance, being pretty pretty positive for these drivers on the grid. Last week I did Pierre Gasly. He let me down. But a guy who made Q3 that didn't let me down was Yuki Sonoda qualifying in P8. And then he goes out early. And I was that that sucked. I was interested in seeing if Yuki could hold on, get some points, see some competitive racing out of him in the midfield. And that's what we're going to see this weekend. I got Yuki Sonoda making back-to-back Q3 entrances, showing he deserves to be in Formula 1, showing some real pace with that AlphaTauri. That that's where I'm going. I'm gonna look for a bounce back week from that driver. Fair enough. That'd be a fun one. I hope we can see Yuki bounce back. I, I think it's enjoyable anytime he does perform well. Um, but getting into mine, I did not have Yuki Sonoda. I also had a Q3 entrance, and I chose a guy who got cheated of a podium last year. I chose Seb Vettel. In a car in an Aston Martin that showed some real pace last week. And, you know, his teammate scored points. He almost scored points. And, um, you know, I think he's shown that he can drive well here before. Uh, he did that just last year when everybody thought he was over the hill. Hey, he's not. He could, he could drive a podium-performing car. This weekend, who knows? He might make Q3, so I got Seb Vettel. I like it. I like it. It would be fun to see. This is a track that he's done well on in the past, so that would be that would be exciting. Uh, well, we've all been positive this week, and I'm going to continue to be positive. I'm going to go with a Q3 surprise entrance again. I, I may get some flack from you guys for this because you could argue that this isn't going to be a surprise, but Noah did it last week. This is a guy who's in a car that should be making it into Q3. This is a guy that's only appeared in Q3 once in the last six races. My surprise Q3 entrance for for that reason alone is Daniel Ricciardo. He didn't make it into Q3 last year or last week. He should have, uh, but he was pretty quick on race day. And um, he has the upgrades to his car. He is hopefully turning around what has been a pretty disappointing season so far. Uh, and I, I think he'll make Q3 again. I, again, you can argue that that's not a surprise at all. Uh, but based on his performance in the last few races, it, it kind of is. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about that one. I know Noah did it last week with Botas. See, I did it with Botas because he was in the sixth best car. Um, Good argument. So I could kind of get away with it. Uh, for Daniel Ricardo, I, I think the expectation should be for him to make it in. Will he? That's a different question, but I think the expectation should be. And so for that reason, I don't really have it as a surprise. I'm close to it, right? Um, it's, it's borderline, so I think it's okay for you to do it. Um, but McLaren fans are going to be upset if he doesn't make it in. I, I'll say this. As a mclaren fan i appreciate your taking your input noah i'm well aware of what daniel ricardo has been doing this season and i would be pretty surprised to see him in the top 10 not to say i don't expect him to get into q3 but at this point of the year and from the qualifying he's been able to do this year i would be surprised and that's why i like it because i was trying to think through my emotions of all right if, if lando doesn't make q3 i'm like i'm really hurting when Daniel Ricardo doesn't make Q3, I'm like, whoa, but not as big. But if he makes it, I do feel a bit surprised. So, Tanner, I like it. I hope it does happen. It'd be nice to see both of them qualify and start in the top 10 on Sunday. I think it's on the table. I think it's on the table. Um, and, you know, as an Alpine fan, not sure I'm exactly rooting for it. Um, but, but given his performance in the past at this track, given the upgrades to the McLaren car right now, given what seemed like a pretty strong rebound performance, at least a little bit last week in in France, I I, I think this is truly possible. So with that, it's more or less of a surprise, but I have Daniel Ricciardo making it into Q3 this weekend. Fair enough. I don't, I mean, I don't hate it. Like, I I think it's fine to have. Um, 
I, I would, I would be a little surprised, like, you know, I, I was critical of it, but I would be a little surprised, but at the same time, you name any other driver who's not on Alpine or McLaren. And you tell me they make it into Q3 ahead of Daniel Ricardo. And it's like, I don't know which one is the bigger surprise. That's, that's the problem. I don't know which one is the bigger surprise, but I know what the expectation is supposed to be. Uh, so, so that's kind of the problem, but yeah, those are, those are some fun ones. All, all of us being positive, having guys make it into Q3, you know, we've kind of gotten into this habit of, of, of being positive. Maybe, maybe we, we, maybe we started, start to have some, uh, you know, critical predictions. So, so off the cuff, I, I'm going to do a surprise Q1 exit. Um, so, so off the cuff, my surprise Q1 exit is, is going to be a, a certain driver named, oh gosh, let's go with, let's, let's go with Valtteri Bottas. Um, he let me down last week and I'm still mad about it. So he's not making it into Q2. See, I thought about doing that, but we're a Botas pod, and I thought that was against our religion. So, um, Noah, that's sacrilege, and I won't stand for it. Yeah, um, that yeah, off-brand, Tanner and I are not with you on this one whatsoever. And for anyone who has time in their day, feel free to email at us. It should be in the description of the episode, or at least of the podcast, and give Noah some flack for this take, all right? We stand Valtteri Botas. We think he's going to do great things in the sport of Formula One when he's without Mercedes help. Fair enough. I deserve that. Botas pot. I deserve that. I deserve that. Well, moving past our qualifying surprise, I think it's time we jump into our, our betting segment from Lance Big Bookie Ellington. So we're recording this on a Monday, so we know Lance has, has some access to certain betting props, maybe not all. But Lance, what do you have for us this week? We got some interesting takes this week. We're gonna we're gonna talk minus odds, which I normally don't like to do, but that's where we're at at this stage of the of the season. The books are doing pretty well with their predictions, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna look for some ways for us to make monies, maybe cheat the system a little bit here and there, and see how we can make us and our fans some good money on our favorite sport. Starting off with the points, there's two drivers I'm looking at with minus odds. Now, they're not, they're not crazy minus, so you're not going to make a ton of money off of it. But I'm looking at Kevin Magnuson, who we see make Q3 with the new upgrades, have pretty good qualifying pace. I'm guessing he would have qualified P9, maybe even P, or P8, maybe even P7 last week if, if he didn't have his penalty. Daniel Ricardo sitting there, minus 150. This is a guy that you're predicting maybe to get into Q3. We see he has the pace. He has the car. There's rain. He's a, he's a pretty lucky guy. I feel like the Formula One gods are pretty good to him. He has that white smile, that Australian accent. They're, they're nice to him for whatever reason when it comes to luck. So Daniel Ricardo 150. Kevin Magnuson, minus 130 for the points. Tanner, who do you like? That's interesting because the answer is I like both of them and maybe that's why they're both plus or minus odds. Um, But with that said, those are both guys that I liked a lot coming into this weekend and that I would absolutely be okay with putting money on. Um, I think if I had to pick one, I guess I would go for better odds and take Magnuson. But even then I'm not really sure because I, I think Haas is still able to do big things. I think Kevin Magnuson showed that last week um and uh, like i was saying a minute ago i expect big things from daniel ricardo this race i still expect him maybe that's foolhardy uh to rebound this season and and show out at least a little bit so with that said if i had to pick one i guess i'd do k mag but uh but i'd like to do both honestly well i like k mag I like K-Mag straight up, and I'm surprised none of us picked him as a surprise Q3 entrance. Again, I'm not so, I'm not sure if it's a surprise, but the guy was showing top seven, top eight pace last week on a new engine. We've got other drivers who are probably starting to think about taking a new engine. 
and and we've got a fast Haas. I like it. I I, I think I, I I would really like to see K Mag in the points again. I think he is the better Haas driver this year, and so I'm going to lean towards him over Mick Schumacher, which is a big bonus. Having to compete against your teammate puts you down. So so that's that's why I have uh that's why I have K Mag over Danny Rick because. You know, I, I, I expect Lando Norris to score points 10 out of t- 10 times. Um, and I expect Daniel Ricciardo to only score points one out of 10. And so, so, so that, that means that it, that's hurting Danny Rick's odds. Um, so I got K-Mag. I think you're coming from a good place with that, with that concept too, because uh, we've seen it happen before this season. We've seen it happen before in formula one. Uh, if, there's a scenario where Lando and, and Ricardo are coming into the last bit of this race and Ricardo's in P10 and Lando's in P11. Not saying that's going to happen, but if it does, McLaren are probably saying, hey, Lando, go and pass Daniel. Hey, Daniel, get out of the way and let our guy get into the points. That doesn't always happen, and it's always a point of contention between the drivers, but it's certainly something that I wouldn't be shocked to see happen. What's what's interesting hearing you guys talk about this is I'm looking at the driver standings on my phone. We have Kevin Magnuson in 11th place with 22 points on the season. We have Daniel Ricciardo in 12th place with 19 points on the season. Again, we're thinking about a normal race on the track, not including any weather or any rain on Sunday. Moving in. I want to talk about a couple of drivers we usually don't talk to when it comes to this betting segment on the podcast. We never really talk about Red Bull and Ferrari drivers because there's not a lot of money to be made because they're just too good. The odds are too much in their favor. But taking a look at one thing called the fastest lap, what driver on Sunday is going to be able to get that purple notch next to their name, have the fastest lap, scoop up that extra point, is it going to be Max Verstappen at plus 130 or will it be Charles Leclerc at plus 190? And before anyone asks, yes, those are different odds than a podium for these two. These are different odds than a race win or the best qualifying car. Strictly speaking, fastest lap. We see it come from second place quite a bit often. I feel like you see it come from outside of the top two a bit often. Noah, who are you going with? Charles Leclerc plus 190 or Verstappen at plus 130? I'm going to have trouble answering this question without giving away my uh, my podium prediction. So I, I don't know what I want to do here. Uh, give, give me some guidance, Lance. Lance, what do I do? Because my reasoning you is could. tied to my podium. Okay, okay. I'll give, you, I'll give you one more then. Tanner, you only get the two though, but... You could go with Carlos Steins, who we think we think Ferrari has the fastest car, if not very close second. He's sitting at plus nine fifty. So who knows? Maybe there's a gap in Carlos Steins if he's running in third or fourth, gets that fresh set of tires on the final couple laps, and bam, snags it at plus nine fifty. What do you think of that? Well, I think you just sold me. Plus nine fifty? Are you kidding? I'm there. I'm there. He just got fastest lap last race. Didn't even come in the top four for God's sakes. He came in fifth and got fastest lap. And we're talking, we're talking plus nine fifty odds. I'm there. Let's go make some money. (laughs) Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. I'll keep it into a conversation between Leclerc and Verstappen. I think that's probably where we'll see the fastest lap uh, in this race. If I, you know, if we're being really honest with each other. Um, and, and you know what, I'll be frank. I think that's going to come from Charles Leclerc. I I, I think this is going to be a track that Ferrari is quicker at. I don't think that Charles is going to, uh, not finish the race. Um, and, and I, I, I just think I, if I'm picking who I think is going to get the fastest lap, I'm going to pick who I think is most likely to, to dominate this race. Um, that's not how fastest lap works oftentimes, but I don't think there's going to be a big enough gap between second place and further down the grid, uh, for any, you know, any gamesmanship in terms of trying to get the fastest lap. I, I'm going to have to agree with you, Tanner. I think I'm leaning Leclerc. 
I just want to have some conversation at the top of the grid. I find that fun. But I know we have podium predictions coming up. So I'm going to skip to something where we're going to talk from a way of, let's say we have a ton of money. Or let's say we're not feeling very risky. We do want to get a return. We want to get it now. We need it now. What are the odds where we can go where we know something is going to happen, but there's just enough enough room to make money? If we take a look at the top six, there's the driver who has four straight podiums, who's sitting at minus 380 to finish in the top six. That's Lewis Hamilton. We've seen the pace Mercedes has. We know how great of a driver Lewis is. He just finished second. It's been a while since we've seen him outside the top six. I like that. But another guy, Noah, using your words, we expect him 10 out of 10 times to finish in the points. Lando Norris, with even better odds, minus 230 to finish in the points. Now, reliability plays an issue in all of this, but they both have Mercedes engines. So who are we going with, Tanner? just to make some money because we have so much of it. A little is a lot. Lewis at minus 380 top six. Lando minus 230, just in the points. Just in the points. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to the guy who's won the Hungarian Grand Prix eight times, uh, who's also sat on pole for the Hungarian Grand Prix eight times, uh, who's an eight-time Drivers' World Champion. I don't care if it's not great odds. I, I think he's going to finish in the top six. And quite frankly, if weather plays any factor in this race, I'm always going to have more faith in Lewis Hamilton than anybody else on the grid. Um, and I wouldn't say I have a crazy, crazy amount of faith in Lando Norris, just given some some spotty history. He's not bad in the wet uh, by any stretch of things. I just, Lewis Hamilton is Lewis Hamilton. And that, that's kind of where I stand. Listen, if you're asking me whether I think it's more likely that Lewis Hamilton finishes top six or Lando Norris scores points, I'm going to answer that Lewis Hamilton finishing top six is more likely. But that's not the question here. There is barely any meat on that bone at plus 380. We got plus 230 or minus, sorry, minus 230 for Lando Norris to score points. We're looking for a sure thing. Lando Norris to score points is still a sure thing. There's maybe been two races all year where he didn't score points, maybe three, I don't know. Uh, But I'm willing to take a chance on that. And if you're not, then then you're not trying to win money betting. I mean, what are we doing here? I love it. What are we doing here? We're here to bet, Tanner. And that's why we ride Lando Norris minus 230 as a sure thing. We're looking at fastest lap. Who knows which way that's going to go. K-Mag sitting at minus 130 for the points, though we all like Danny Rick still sitting there for the points. Those are what we have for betting this week. Nothing too tasty with the plus, but for our bettors who have been looking for some safe bets, I hope we gave them to you this week. I think it's the time of the podcast, though. We're getting towards the end. We need to give the people our podium predictions. I'll just go ahead and jump right into it. I talked about fastest slap because I like Ferrari this weekend. I like a bounce back week. I love a, when a team gets a lot of hate and they come out doing great. Kind of like if you, if anyone watches the, uh, the NFL, their head coach gets fired and they come out as a huge underdog. Nobody expects anything. The team rallies and they get the win. That's what Ferrari is going to do this weekend. Charles Leclerc is down on his leg. He's not feeling good personally about his driving the strategy wasn't good. Carlos Sainz is saying the right thing, but maybe in his head he's a bit frustrated with the team. The garage is a little unhappy. We're going to get a big rally here for this weekend. Charles Leclerc is going to win it. Not only is he going to win it, Carlos Sainz is going to come home in P2. And not only that, Verstappen's coming home in P3. Verstappen is not going to have an accident that causes him not to finish 1-2. The Ferrari team is just going to be better and faster. I'm looking for a bounce back week. They're not going to stumble. It will be good. Noah, what is your podium prediction? Yeah, so now I can answer your question about who's going to win fastest lap. And listen, I'm basing this purely off of who I think is going to win the race. In a, in, a, in a race where Esteban Ocon won last year, and 
By and large, Seb Vettel was faster. Seb Vettel's car had the pace to overtake, but he was unable to based on the track. That's just how that worked. That's just how the race played out. He, he got close a few times, wasn't able to make the move. Good defending, yes. But like, they'll be able to overtake this race or they might not because of the track. And so for that reason, I'm picking a guy who's going to come in with a head of steam, looking to prove himself, Charles Leclerc, who's the best qualifier on the grid, having qualified on pole more than half of the races this year. I think he's going to be able to stay in front the whole race. And since he's going to be able to stay in front, he's going to be able to put in the fastest lap. And so I got Charles Leclerc taking home P1. After that, I do have Max Verstappen taking home P2. I think we're going to get the racing that we wanted last race this week. I think we're going to have Max pushing Charles throughout the whole race, and we're going to see some back-to-back fighting. So I'm looking forward to that. And P3, I'm also going to pick another guy who I think is going to rebound. And on that, I'm going to pick Sergio Perez for a guy who I think has had a lot of forgettable bad races recently some of them yes have resulted in pretty decent finishes but he's been racing pretty poorly i think he's gonna look a little bit better this race i think he's going to handily beat carlos signs i think that's where that race is going to be between p3 and p4 but he's going to edge signs this time so i got sergio perez finishing in p3 but don't worry my guy in p1 that's fair well noah I'm sorry to say it, but this week on the Wheel to Wheel Formula One podcast, we uh, we have cursed Charles Leclerc because all three of us having him coming home with the victory here at the Hungaro ring uh, this weekend. That's right. I have him in P1. Uh, I, I do think that the Ferrari is going to be very quick here this weekend, and, and that's just what I expect to happen. Now, this wouldn't be the wheel to wheel formula one podcast. If one of us didn't do something a little bit weird with their podium predictions, I made a joke out of him last week. I felt foolish for it. Came home with P2 Lewis Hamilton will be coming home with P2 again this week. The Mercedes continues and continues and continues to get better. And Lewis Hamilton continues and continues and continues to show his quality he is one of the greatest drivers of all time, and he is not done yet. He's coming with home with P2 again this weekend. Now, I said my podium prediction was getting a little weird. It wasn't just because Lewis Hamilton is coming home with P2. Now, this hinges on some weather changing things up. It might hinge on some crashes, but you know who I have coming in home in P3? Fernando Alonso. That's right, baby. He's coming home with his first podium of the season. He's absolutely getting a podium this season. He is too good of a driver not to, and it's going to happen this race. You heard it here first. Drop your mortgage on it. Fernando Alonso coming home with that P3 this weekend in Hungary. Uh, Is it realistic? Maybe not, but it's going to happen this season, and I think it has to happen uh, sooner or later. All right, a hot takes from Tanner. Um, uh, uh, Lance, I don't know how to address that. It, it, that was a lot of predictions all at once. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. I love faith in your driver. I love faith in your team. I do agree Fernando Alonso probably has the best chance at a podium outside of the top three teams of someone who hasn't podiumed yet. And so I look forward to it happening at some point this season. And you got to predict it a few times because we know it's coming. So I love that. Lewis Hamilton, our Mercedes fans are going to love that. The Brits are going to be going crazy over that prediction. And I do see Mercedes continuing to have luck. I don't know who's going to be on the podium, whether it's Hamilton or Russell, but I imagine Mercedes is going to sneak a a driver up there yet again. So I'm a fan of that. Noah Checo coming back. I also kind of like that. I can't lie. You guys had some interesting podiums. For some reason, it felt like a change to me. I'm going a bit more predictable. But on Saturday or whether on Sunday, you can expect some parity in your podium is what I'm predicting. Expect some parity in the top 10 in your Q3. It's going to be a good race. 
You guys have any other final thoughts before we head into the 13th race of the season? Not many. I'm just hoping for chaos. That's all I want to see this weekend. Formula One's always fun with chaos, in my opinion. And I'm ready for my guy, Fernando Alonso, committing to El Plan. Going to take advantage of that chaos this weekend. And you know what I'm? my closing thoughts are? I've had enough of chaos this year. I've had enough as a Ferrari fan, as a Charles Leclerc fan. I'm done. I don't want chaos. I want a clean race, maybe even a boring race. I'm okay with that. And that boring race might mean Charles Leclerc starts from P1 and wins the race. That's, that's all I want. That's all I want, a boring, clean race. That's, that's all I want. That's all he wants, folks. Come on, Santa. Come through. It's Christmas. I feel Come like on. there's, I feel like there's on. we're a, recording it on the 25th. It's summer Christmas. I feel That's like, right. a, I feel like there's a cold joke that needs to be made with that, but I don't have one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh. Well, that is another Grand Prix in the books for the crew here at wheel to wheel formula one. We've now done 13 previews for every Grand Prix that we've had this season. And I just appreciate all the listeners. Shout out to you guys for sticking with us, whether this is your first time listening to us or you listen to us for all 13 of these races. We do appreciate it. You guys tuning in every week, even twice a week, sometimes to hear our takes on the sport, our overreactions, our arguments and everything else in between. We will be back after Sunday with the reaction to the Hungarian Grand Prix, which should be really exciting considering the weekend we are all predicting and at this point expecting. That will be great. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to help support the podcast, best thing you can do, tell a friend about it. Tell them, hey, cool Formula One with a lot of cool guys, some fun takes we can talk about. Tune in, check us out. That's what we really appreciate it. And if you even feel like it, give us that five-star review and leave us a positive rating. It goes a long way. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at f one wheel to wheel And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 Podcast. <laughs>